0: very important. Information.
1: Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. real news Chinese telecom giant Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is June 11th, 2019, and uh, today is the day after the Pony Show charade that was held uh, by Nadler uh, bringing in John Dean. Uh, today I want to discuss that along with other uh, concerns and matters that have been brought to my attention, but the considerable amount of time that i 'm going to spend on Cohen and uh, the House Democrats is incredible because yesterday I had one of the most amazing conversations with a very long standing source I have within the House Democrats, and this is because a lot of um, a lot of Democrats themselves obviously i 've had this relationship for fifteen years uh, with the individual though even though we tend to disagree on a lot of matters, we get to agree on a few things, and that's uh, honesty, uh, justice, and integrity. So yesterday, the conversation that I had it ensued. I've, I'm actually in the, almost done putting it down on, you know, documented paper. You would say on the Torysays.com website, it will blow your mind just how far they went, and it seems to me that Representative Jim Jordan is pretty clued up. It's like as if he has a crystal ball because even from the questions that he posed yesterday to John Dean and questions that he had posed to Michael Cohen during that grueling seven-hour oversight committee uh, testimony, it seems that his finger is literally on the pulse and understands exactly what's going on. But when I demonstrate to you just how fixed this Mueller investigation was from the aspect of Michael Cohen's testimony. It'll blow your mind. I mean, it's not something that we don't uh, expect. It's something that we do expect uh, because their whole uh, point of appointing uh, Robert Mueller as a special counsel was planned. I mean, Comey had the plan to appoint him. Comey knew that he was going to be appointed. It only happened more instantly when President Trump realized that the people that were supposed to work for him were actually for years working against him to ensure that he would never have a fair chance to become president of the United States. And in essence, we must understand this, that no one has the right to deter anyone from running for office Ever, 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 every American citizen enjoys that right. And so to have such an orchestrated attack against one person because they threatened to destroy this fourth unelected government is preposterous, right? But it happened. So we're going to get to that. What I wanted to play first was John Dean's opening statement, uh, it's really important that you guys pay attention to what he's saying, uh, because we are going to deconstruct this because when I, when we're done with this show, you will have a better of an understanding of who John Dean is and what his role was in the Mueller investigation because he actually played an active role. Take a listen to his opening statement.
2: Chairman Nadler, excuse me, Ranking Member Collins, the last time I appeared before your committee was July 11, 1974, during the impeachment inquiry of Richard Nixon. Clearly, I'm not here today as a fact witness. I accepted the invitation to come here today because I hope I can give a little historical perspective on the Mueller report. In many ways, the Mueller report is to President Trump what the so-called Watergate Roadmap, officially titled the Grand Jury Report and Recommendation Concerning Transmission of Evidence to the House of Representatives, was to President Richard Nixon. Stated a little differently, Special Counsel Mueller has provided this committee with a roadmap. Drawing from my testimony, I'd like to offer a few actually just one I'm going to focus on, parallels, I find with the Mueller report. I've laid out in my prepared statement six uh, examples. Those examples are illustrative rather than exhaustive. But let me turn to the sixth, and anybody who has any question about the prior five, I'm happy to address. The sixth is the Mueller report's effort regarding the influence of witnesses with pardons. As the citation shows, it's spread out throughout the report. Mr. Mueller addresses the question of whether President Trump dangled pardons or offered favorable treatment to Michael Cohn, Paul Manafort, Michael Cohn, uh, and Roger Stone, whose name is actually redacted, but based on educated conjecture. I think that's pretty clear who it is. And the question is whether in return for their pardons, they agreed to, or the suggestion of a pardon, uh, he was seeking them to keep their silence and how they coordinated with investigators. But also the Mueller report offers a very powerful legal analysis.
1: Okay, I'm going to stop it right here. So did you hear what he said? He said he's here because he thinks that Michael Cohen, Roger Stone, that in turn for their silence that they get a pardon from President Trump. Now, what I'm about to tell you is groundbreaking, and hopefully the right ears are falling on it, but I will put it in writing too, to ensure that it is immortalized somewhere on the Internet, aside from my voice. They never sought any pardons from the President. In fact, it was John Dean that had come to a deal to have his sentence commuted as long as he testified against Scooter Libby back in the Nixon days. Cohen never got a deal. Well,. He was proposed a deal, and well, it was kind of given to him, but it wasn't from President Trump. It was from Representative Adam Schiff, and we're going to get into that in more detail as the hour progresses, but I wanted you to pay attention to what he said. He is talking from personal experience because that is the deal he cut. He never went to jail, even though he lied. He never went to jail, even though they say he obstructed. He never got one minute of time. Nobody prosecuted him at all. Scooter Libby obviously got his um, sentence commuted, but no one actually prosecuted John Dean. And if you watch the video on C-SPAN, where it's actually labeled John Dean opening statement before House Judiciary Committee, you will see with what disdain he even utters the name Roger Stone. And it is just incredible how big the fix is. The fact that they brought John Dean should allow us to push it even further. And I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate on that statement. But let's continue to hear what else he has to tell us
2: that notwithstanding the fact that the pardon power is one of the most unrestricted presidential powers, it cannot be used for improper purposes. And I give the sight of that argument. What's interesting is Richard Nixon, who used the pardon in a similar way, recognized that it was improper. For example, in December of 1972, Chuck Colson went in to see the president, To get a pardon a commitment for Howard Hunt who he had been responsible in bringing into the White House and whose wife had recently died in a crash and felt he couldn't withstand a trial and didn't want to spend the rest of his life in jail so he was seeking a pardon assurance from Chuck Colson. The president reluctantly agreed to do that and when Hunt was given the word the so-called Cuban-Americans who were part of the Watergate operation, they also took their cue from Hunt and pled. In my March 21st conversation with Nixon, we got into the subjects of pardons, and he at that point said he very clearly understood to grant pardons it would be wrong. I cite the actual exchange from that conversation. One that I did not cite in here is, I learned in a later tape, that Ehrlichman uh, had been asked by the president to offer me a pardon, to protect me and hopefully encourage me from not breaking rank. Ehrlichman knew that was wrong, so he didn't uh, offer that pardon.
1: Okay, so now, I want you all to understand, I know they brought John Dean as a pony show, but it was very specific. And you all know that I'm a very strong critic of Michael Cohen. If we want to do similes, just like he said, he is to the the Watergate scandal as to Michael Cohen is to the Russia hoax, but... The thing is, I hate to say it and I and I felt devastated for having some some so many ill feelings toward Michael Cohen uh, from what I found out yesterday. But Michael Cohen has been forced and is being coerced constantly. Even his lawyer broke attorney client privilege. I mean, she should be disbarred for what she did because Lanny Davis met with John Dean to figure out how they can get an obstruction of justice charge against the president because the Mueller report had nothing. And guys, they are trying to use Michael Cohen for that. And I'll go further into it, uh, as the hour progresses. I just want that idea to sink in, in, uh, on that note, what I want to do is play a clip of Jim Jordan and stop it right where the sauce of the doc, you know, of, of the talking point that we have today, which is exclusive here on red state talk radio of why indeed John Dean appeared yesterday. Take a listen to Jim Jordan.
3: Hi, Mr. Jordan. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. At a memorial event for David Hamburg, Speaker Pelosi and I had a chance to discuss impeachment. Mr. Dean, who wrote that? I did. 19, uh, excuse me, one month ago, May 11th, 2019. Haven't we been too long in not giving Trump a meaningful moniker? Should it be deranged on deadbeat on demagogue Don? thoughts, please comments. Mr. Dean, who wrote that?
2: I assume that was mine.
3: It was yours. 19 days ago, May 22nd, 2019, there was this. We are witnessing Trump's massive cover-up of his criminal behavior as POTUS. is incapable of accomplishing anything. Mr. Dean, you know who wrote that?
2: I suspect that was me again.
3: It was you. I want to focus on that last sentence. As POTUS, as President of the United States, he, Donald Trump, is incapable of accomplishing anything. When you made that statement, Mr. Dean, what did you have in mind? You're thinking about the 3.2% economic growth rate, rate we had the last quarter? Thinking about the fact we got the lowest unemployment in 50 years? How about the fact the hostages are back from North Korea? Maybe you were thinking about this. When you said the President of the United States was incapable of doing anything, were you thinking about the fact that the embassy is now in Jerusalem? I mean, I think about this one. Every single candidate for as many cycles as I can remember, Republican and Democrat, have promised the American people you elect me, we're going to move the embassy to Jerusalem. And guess what? They get elected and they come up with a million reasons why they can't do what they said they were going to do. But this president didn't. The embassy is now in Jerusalem. So I'm just wondering, what were you thinking about when you said he's incapable of accomplishing anything? Uh,
2: Mr. Jordan, I think that uh, under the parliamentary rules of the House, uh, I'm refrained from addressing a full answer to your question.
3: You... <laughs> You weren't you weren't refrained uh, you weren't refrained in your tweets and your comments and the things my you tweet, wrote.
2: My tweets are not subject to the parliamentary. They are subject to believe. state
3: of mind and the perspective you bring to this hearing. And I think the American people understand. Let me ask you this then: Did you give advice to Lanny Davis or Michael Cohen prior to?
1: All right. This is where the sauce is. This is why I tell you Jim Jordan is hovering over the target. And you know what? No one goes near him. And hopefully people will start digging because I have... um I was provided information about a New York City meeting where Lanny Davis, Adam Schiff, and Michael Cohen were discussing his testimony, but also discussing the, um, the grounds of which, uh, how he's going to get his sentencing, uh, from Mueller and, uh, you know, that he has to commit to coming in and testifying before the committee and also had to confirm that he was going to do TV interviews, specifically that with ABC. So, um, Jim Jordan actually confronted Cohen during that meeting and said, did you speak with any Democrats, you know, about your testimony today? And he acknowledged it. And then he asked him, did you have a conversation with Representative Adam Schiff? And he said, yeah, we were just talking about the questions that may arise. Basically, the Democrats coached him and I'll tell you why because Jim Jordan is demonstrating this to you and I'm just going to lay it out and put it in perspective just so you can see just how widespread this is because in his introduction he made it clear that he has always been opining and he's always been interjecting but this will rock you to your core as to what how he answers it and what questions are posed and how John Dean answers take a listen
3: to Mr. Cohen's testimony to Congress. No. Well, you said on Aaron Burnett's uh, show the night before Mr. Cohen testified in front of the oversight committee that Michael Cohen should you said you had talked to Lanny Davis and that Michael Cohen should hold his testimony as long as possible from Republicans. You didn't.
1: So he admitted on air that he was speaking with Lanny Davis, which was Cohen's attorney. Pay attention. So he just lied, you know, in front of the committee just now saying that he did not, you know, give any direction to Lanny Davis or Michael Cohen. He just lied and he got caught lying.
3: You didn't say that to Mr. Davis? You said well, it on, on Aaron Burnett's show the night before well, Mr. I Cohen testified. Say, I didn't say it. Uh, directly to Mr. Cohn
2: was your question. No,
3: it wasn't. My question was, did you give advice to Lanny Davis or Michael Cohen prior to Mr. Cohen's testimony to Congress?
2: Yeah, I have known Lanny Davis for almost a couple decades, uh, and we have talked about it. And I did say, uh, as soon as you turn your testimony over, it
3: will be picked apart. So you instructed Michael Cohen's lawyer to keep information from Republicans, to obstruct the committee work. That we were doing on the oversight committee just a few months ago? You, you told that to Michael Cohen's lawyer?
2: Uh, I didn't quite phrase it that well,
3: way, no. You know what? They took your advice. I'm sorry? They took your advice. Did they? Yeah. M- I didn't Mr. Know Cohen that. kept his testimony from us for as long as possible. But you know what else Mr. Cohen did that day? Lied. Lied seven times. And this is, this is what I think concerns so many Americans. This is what concerns, I think, so many Americans about the work that's going on in this Congress, this 116. The, mm-hmm. first, the first announced witness of the 116th Congress is Michael Cohen, a guy who sits in prison today for lying to Congress. Today, Chairman Nadler brings in front of the Judiciary Committee a guy to talk about obstruction of justice who went to prison in 1974 for obstructing justice. I did not go to prison.
1: That's okay. right. It I'm was a like deal. I'm of
3: obstruction of justice. I'm it was his you deal. you got to stay out of prison then, I guess. What bothers me the most, though... Is this committee's fair to investigate how the whole Trump-Russia thing started? This is a judiciary committee. We're supposed to, how this whole thing began, and I, I said this a few weeks ago, but I want to remind this committee what the Attorney General of the United States said eight weeks ago when he testified in front of the Senate. said four important things. About the beginnings of the Trump-Russia investigation, he said there was a failure of leadership at the upper echelon of the FBI. His words, not mine. Upper echelon. That's certainly true. Comey, McCabe, Baker, struck Page, they've all been fired, demoted, let go, they're gone. Some of them are under investigation by the Justice Department. He said spying did occur. He said it twice. He said there's a basis for his concern about the spying that took place. And he used two terms that, again, I think this committee should find frightening and should be looking into unauthorized surveillance and political surveillance. Scary terms. So the good news is, even though this Congress has memorandums of understanding between the key committee chairmen on how they're going to coordinate their attack on the president, even though this Congress' first big witness, first big hearing, Michael Cohen, a guy who sits in prison for lying to Congress, and even though we now have a guy testifying about obstruction of justice who pled guilty to obstruction of justice, we should be looking into the things Bill Barr is looking at. Now the good news is Mr. Durham's doing that. But th- this, is, this is the part I think that frustrates so many. Mr. Chairman, I would hope the Judiciary Committee and the history this committee has for protecting fundamental liberties would begin to look into those key issues, the whole premise for how this Trump-Russia investigation started in the first place. And I'll, I'll finish again with this. Emmett Flood wrote a letter to the Attorney General a few weeks back, made an important point, He said, we would all do well to remember, if they can do it to a president, imagine what they can do to you and me.
1: And that is a key point. I wanted to stop it right there. Imagine if they have weaponized these agencies against the president of the United States. What weaponization of law enforcement, manufacturing information, entrapping people, anti-campaigns, you know, everything. What they can do to one individual that decides to step out of line. And we're not talking. They have to be federal. It could be state. It could be city, Just think of how Insane that sounds. It's kind of like when I said, if Joe Biden and sniffing hair of little kids and touching their breasts on camera, imagine what he does off camera. So imagine if they've orchestrated to the point where Lanny Davis, Cohen's lawyer worked against him. He was literally working against him. I mean, it's incredible. Lanny met with John Dean. They discussed how they would be putting this forward. They all sat in New York and told Cohen, I am going to Giuliani. I have already reached out to see if president Trump would give you a pardon. If you keep your mouth shut, because if Cohen actually did that and say president Trump was like, yeah, sure. Okay. Which he would never do because he had nothing to hide. You know, that would be obstruction of justice. So they tried to play that card. They tried to play the card that, you know, Hey, you're going to go to the president. You're going to ask him, hopefully he'll come back and say, okay, which uh, seriously. So that was the obstruction of justice attempt that they tried using Cohen's lawyer. Now, when he sat down with Adam Schiff, Adam Schiff clearly told him, and he struck a deal. Your sentence will be commuted. When we get our next president, you either say what we tell you to say, or else you're going down hard and look at what we're doing. And they do have the power to do it. They can retroactively plant information. They can retroactively change any of your information. Let's pretend Cohen went to, um, Columbia law school. Okay. Okay and he's like, Oh yeah, I went to Columbia law school. And they said, no, you didn't. Uh, uh-uh, no, you didn't. Here's the documentation that says that you went to NYU's law school. And he's going to be like, no, I went to Columbia, this, that mm. transcripts and the bar says this. And you know, you look at them like, am I in the twilight zone? That's the power they have. And that is extremely scary Because these are the people that are supposed to be protecting us. These are the people that are supposed to be serving us. And these are the people that are supposed to be working together to help our country function as a whole. So every little facet of the federal state and city governments are supposed to be working in concert for one common goal, which is the prosperity of this nation. What I feel actually super sad for Cohen because I was told yesterday how he was forced to have these interviews on television, which would make sense as to how he was in regards to body language and how he was in regards to responses. The contempt he felt, you know, uh, you know, and how angry he was because they don't just sit there and tell you, I'm blackmailing you. You do this. They will feed you information and make you think the person who you serve, the person who is your friend, the person that did nothing wrong that they're attacking is obviously attacking you. They are Geniuses at playing mind warfare. Geniuses. And they tied Cohen into a tight little bow and manipulated him to do exactly what they wanted. And in the end, it was a nothing burger. And in the end, he got three years and he's going to jail. But in the end, it's all going to come out because they're failing miserably. Come on, John Dean was, you know, had rapport with Davis and, and, and guiding as to how to get Cohen to provide the information that the Democrats needed for impeachment. This is insane. This is a coup beyond any idea of coup. I can't wrap my mind around it. And the fact that there are people there purporting notions of, oh, Trump is this, I'm thinking, are you insane? This guy is being framed. They're using every single facet of it. And I actually feel bad for Cohen, uh, you know, in the sense that I have no idea what they did or told him to just even remotely say half the things he said. But even in in uh, at the committee, he denied saying that he asked for President Trump to pardon him. And that is true. Davis did that all on their own. You know, they they concerted that and and did that on behalf of Cohen, even though he didn't want to in order to formulate a basis for obstruction of justice. In any case, President Trump thought that it was a bona fide request or would even do it. He'd never do it.
0: It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now 1 800 707 1219. 1 800 707 1219.
6: Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat
1: Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Sess Show. Uh, I just wanted to recap the first half hour so we can understand the how far and how expansive this whole uh, network of Attempting this coup on the president is. So we already know it was all a setup, the whole Russia thing, right? It's already coming to fruition about how they were working against the president in the highest of positions, uh, in the Obama administration, both in the intelligence community, the FBI and the DOJ. We get it. And then Mueller was installed, and here's where it gets even worse. That Mueller was clearly, um, mitigating information that was available ensuring that uh, justice was obstructed by misplacing or not finding or maybe even deleting or removing or scrubbing information that may be exculpatory though as more eyes fell on this investigation uh, that he was conducting uh, he was he was it was harder for him to cover up now, like I said yesterday, I had a conversation with someone that was actually in New York, uh, along with many other people, so it's easy to conceal their identity, uh, that was, in a sense, part of the meeting that Schiff had with Cohen and Davis, where they were discussing how they were going to move forward um, with him uh, testifying in front of the committee in regards to, uh, him appreciating how he didn't get as many years as he thought he would. And, um, uh, The promise of a commution of sentence the minute they remove President Trump or removing it so he's not a felon, basically. So they gave him a deal and said, listen, but in order for you to get all this, you have to testify in front of the committee and you also have to do TV interviews. And you're going to say what we tell you to say. He was completely coached. He was told what to say. And that was on the heels of the fact that Lanny Davis reached out to Rudy Giuliani asking on behalf of Cohen for a a pardon from President Trump that Cohen never asked for. This was a suggestion made to Lanny Davis by John Dean because if the pardon was asked for and let's pretend, uh, you know, he was like, well, we'll see, or I don't know, um, you know, I'll think about it. That could be seen as obstruction of justice. Now, obviously, President Trump had nothing to hide. He did nothing wrong. And imagine, they gave his life and everyone in his orbit a thorough colonoscopy and found absolutely no crimes, but they continued. So they needed to set him up, and this was the perfect setup. Lanny Davis putting this forward was really hoping to get something. And I'm pretty sure Rudy Giuliani, having communicated with Lanny Davis, can probably say on, uh, you know, and it would be great to have him answer this question. Did it feel like Lanny Davis was trying to convince Rudy Giuliani that this is something that has to be done? So, you know, whatever. Now, Cohen didn't have anything bad to say about the president. There wasn't anything bad to say. He didn't commit a crime time, you know, so it didn't matter. Why would the president say, yeah, I'll just give you a pardon, and just keep your mouth shut. No need to keep your mouth shut. Just talk. Got nothing to hide. Just go talk. They've been surveilling him for so many years. If they had something, they would have come with it. They're going to get it from Cohen. Are you kidding? They breached client, uh, attorney client privilege and penetrated those records and still found nothing. Think about it. So they tried to set the president up with obstruction of justice that were orchestrated by John Dean. And for them to bring him into the house, the very person that struck a deal to annihilate the Nixon administration for his benefit is disgusting. It just goes to show how dirty, sleazy, and just top rated, you know, super losers they all are. I mean, they didn't succeed anything because, you know, no one bought it. There were comments made that I just simply adored. Here's, um, here's uh, where Re- uh, Representative Johnson makes a statement. Take a listen to what he has to say.
4: All that's been said here today and the countless interviews and the op-eds of our colleagues and all that, here's the one key fact we want everybody to remember. The White House and the Trump campaign provided unprecedented levels of cooperation with the Special Counsel's investigation. They produced over 1.4 million pages of documents to the Special Counsel. They allowed 20 White House officials to testify, including eight people from the White House Counsel's office. And in spite of all that, the Attorney General and former Deputy A.G. Rosenstein found the evidence developed by the Special Counsel was, quote, not sufficient to establish that the President committed an obstruction of justice offense, unquote. That should have ended the inquiry. But it hasn't. We're doing these political hearings. We're wasting the American people's time. And this committee has one of the broadest and most important jurisdictions of any committee in Congress. There is critical work we need to be doing, and we're not because we're mired in this.
1: Okay, so when I asked my source uh, why they were holding uh, this hearing with John Dean, uh, it was because they believed that there were a few holdouts uh, that uh, had a few insurance policies that they could cash in, and uh, a few freshmen— that they may coerce to jump on their team. I mean, they've been trying to groom them to come on board. And they believe that if they can convince uh, the freshmen and or those that are uh, in dubious circumstances in regards to insurance policies, that they would be able to sway them uh, to get behind them in regards to initiating impeachment proceedings. Now, it's important for us to remember that, All of these committees within the House that are run by the Democrats are actively working together, conspiring together to find ways to attack our president rather than do their job. It's really important that we point this out because their job is to legislate and to oversee overreach of our government. It is not their job to decide you know, who's going to be president and why they're right and we're wrong, and that they're trying to fix this. This is what they've been doing. Here's uh, Louis Gomert from Texas made some, uh, he made an, an, an amazing statement uh, in regards to uh, John Dean. And, you know, Again, I reinforce that John Dean didn't go to prison because he cut a deal. He was um, – if, if you would have thought that Cohen was a John Dean like I did, and I've said this before, and after what I found out yesterday, I actually feel bad. Um, uh, you know, he cut a deal. He was smarter than Cohen if Cohen was a John Dean because he cut a deal not to go to jail. And so what he did was create circumstantial evidence or manifest evidence or manufacture it or make it seem like misconstrue actual facts to kind of paint his own picture. You know, that's what they do when they don't have evidence. What they do is they take here, some here, some here, so they can paint the picture they want. And, and thus, obviously, like we saw in the Mueller report, excluding any exculpatory evidence, because then that doesn't play to your, to your um, song and dance that you're pushing forward. But Take a listen to what he had to say, which was incredible.
7: You've got a lot more qualifications in this area than than they actually provided in the introduction. Uh, back when New York Times was uh, more accurate, uh, they reported that in your case, John Sirica, the judge, read the formal charges uh, regarding the conspiracy to thwart the investigation, and he read as follows, that uh, you were suborning perjury, giving false statements and concealing evidence in the trial before Judge Sirica last winter of the men arrested in the break-in, offering clemency to the defendants, paying to keep the arrested men silent, asking the Federal Bureau of Investigation for information, attempting to get the CIA to provide money for the payments. In furtherance of the conspiracy, Judge Sirica continued reading, Dean had committed six overt specific overt acts on or about june 27 72 he directed g gordon liddy to tell howard hunt to leave the united states he asked general vernon walters walters the deputy director of the cia whether the cia could use covert funds to pay the bail and salary of those involved in the watergate break-in he had asked the president's former private attorney herbert kalmbach to raise funds with which to make the payments to the watergate defendants he had met with judge Jeb Stewart Magruder on the campaign staff to help Magruder prepare false, deceptive, and misleading testimony to give the grand jury. He had asked John Caulfield to offer executive clemency to James McCord, another of the original defendants, and he had asked L. Patrick Gray, former acting director of the FBI, for reports of information gained in the investigation break-in. We've heard different reports from different people involved uh, Magruder ended up saying, after different versions, that you are the one that ordered the break-in of the Watergate uh, headquarters. And I see you shaking your head. But uh, did you ever order or convey an order to break into the Democratic headquarters at Watergate Hotel? First of all, on your
2: description of my pleading guilty,
7: yeah, that came from the New York Times. You can take it up with them. Right, but. but, but did-
1: see that's the thing when you call them out on the things that they have done uh, they don't want to answer and something that people don't know is that this guy has made a fortune on accusing people of being dirty and requiring impeachment he wrote one about Bush and Cheney and remember uh, yesterday uh, the day before yesterday when I spoke about Comey will the real Comey please stand up and I urge you to go and listen to that I've uploaded it Uh, I demonstrate to you just how Bush 43 and Cheney were uh, used and taken out in regards to power uh, for the sake of the fourth unelected branch of government. And lo and behold, it was obviously Comey and Mueller that took that home. Uh, So it's very important that people understand this, that history is important that we look at it. And now with all these grandstandings and John Dean colluding with Michael Cohen's attorney and trying to find ways to demonstrate obstruction of justice and writing books and coining people, you know, impeachment or obstruction of justice, blah, 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 and making tons of money off of it, uh, just goes to show he's an expert at manufacturing things. We all know he ordered that Watergate. We all know Nixon had nothing to do with it. Uh, that is how I feel about it. And, uh, there are many out there that feel the same and with yesterday's, Uh, demonstration it reinforces that notion that the Nixon deal was a fix Uh, Bush could have been impeached if he didn't comply and you know Scooter Libby was the one in the end that took the hit Uh, it was all a facade Uh, the fact that Comey placed a special counsel was just to take control of the White House uh, just for that I explained that to you I explained how he penetrated and exactly who he is and now we see it with President Trump not only were they more careful and more strategic whereas they were surveilling him from years before uh, you know he actually was elected president but that they continued the surveillance and and through the surveillance created and manufactured a false narrative about him being a Russian agent uh, and thus allowing them to use that as grounds to impeach. And then when that failed, because that's how legit President Trump is, they tried to utilize the people that they were attacking on the periphery and in his orbit, like Manafort, Cohen, uh, you know, Flynn, uh, Stone, everybody and their mother. Uh, those that they could attack on the periphery to be able to provide them, uh, or state or go on the record, uh, that exact statement or action that they can manufacture to make it seem that it's obstruction of justice. I mean, Comey attempted to do it, but he wasn't sure if he was caught on a hot mic or a camera, because remember, We did bring the plumbers into the White House. That doesn't mean that we didn't ensure that we're listening to. So he doesn't know if there's any audio tapes. And he says, I hope there's audio tapes. And he says that in a very careful way. Because if you notice, did he tell you like, drop it? No, he didn't. It's like this and like, but then when he's on camera, he lets them infer that and then nods to it. And it's like, um, That's a lie. But in essence, in law, it's not really a lie because he's just like smiling and nodding, even though he's not saying it someone else's and you can't hold him responsible for something that Don Lemon, Jake Tapper, crazy Rachel Maddow or any other clown states and you just nod to because uh, I've nodded to idiots before. So you're not going to hold me accountable for what they say. Right. So this is just how far they went. Uh, this is just how deep they'll go. To ensure that they maintain power. This is all about power. This has nothing to do with President Trump. This is all about power. Because if they have power, they control you and I. And in the end, it's not after... It's not President Trump they're after. They're after you. They're after me. Take a listen to what Matt Gates has on Lou Dobbs. Uh, after uh, this uh, charade that we had with John Dean. It was It was really, really incredible incredible
2: john dean before your committee uh the give and take if i can call it that between the two of you fascinating to watch what a humiliation for the judiciary committee for its leader its chair gerald nadler and the radical dems uh, your thoughts tonight
8: Well, we were visited today by the ghost of Christmas past in the House Judiciary Committee, John Dean. And it's so bizarre, Lou, because Gerald Nadler is begging Nancy Pelosi for the opportunity to open his fact-free impeachment inquiry in the House. She has not allowed him to do so. So the natural reaction apparently was to try to reinvigorate enthusiasm for the impeachment of Richard Nixon, apparently, because they couldn't get there on Donald Trump. I hope the American people see that this really would be hilarious if there weren't tragedies that we needed to address. I mean, thousands of people today arrived on our southern border with Mexico. The Judiciary Committee has the jurisdiction to change our asylum laws, which are ideas that actually even some reasonable Democrats have proposed. But we don't have the ability to deal with the crisis on our southern border, to deal with the fact that China is robbing us blind from intellectual property because they want to bring back their own episode of That 70s Show.
1: And he's right. That's all they want to do. They want to live in the past because that was the time that they actually had power. JFK demonstrated the power. When the CIA was implemented, that was them creating this fourth unelected branch. You don't get it. Eisenhower mitigated it by creating this super, 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 super duper classified agency called the NRO to mitigate the CIA. Which then Clinton was upset about its existence, so pushed it out and declassified it. So now everybody knew it existed. And then going forward on that, he purported and he pushed to make. Uh, visible, those that work for that agency, and that was actually, you know, brought home and taken home, uh, you know, by Bush forty three. Obviously, owned by the fourth unelected branch. We we need to be uh, paying attention to history because it tells us exactly what's going on here. You know, you don't change uh, something if it's not broke, right? Don't don't fix something if it's not broke. Well for so many decades, their usual rapport works. It worked, you know, with Kennedy, it wasn't working because at that point they didn't have mass control of people because people were still getting out and interacting in person. So you can't really insert a television or a radio station in between people. So people interacted more. So they didn't have control of controlling the message as much. Um, so they used another method. Now that method was appalling because so many people were in on it. So many people were demanding answers and it almost lost control. And they were lucky, uh, that the people didn't have the, Power of communication at their fingertips like they do now. So they knew going forward, any president, if they, uh, you know, as technology evolves, that they had to be more careful that such actions would not easily, uh, go unnoticed. And so moving forward with Nixon, uh, you know, they had, that was when they had control of the media. I mean, it works what they've been doing for decades works. This is how they keep people in check. This is how they keep them in check with Bush 40, 43. Come on guys. None of you remember that reporters were thrown in jail for not giving up their sources. None of you remember that the times reporter testified to the grand jury, according to the documents that it was scooter Libby. But then in her article, she didn't say it was scooter Libby. I mean, this is, these are things that have happened and they're repeating themselves. This time they pulled the big guns. You know, John Dean, the relic was still alive. So they asked him who helped orchestrate the Cheney thing, help take the Nixon issue to fruition and then orchestrate this Bush Cheney one. And you know, Bush 41 came in using his clout saying, what are you doing? My kid. We got to find some common ground. This is why he was allowed to not go through what Nixon went and what they're trying to put our president through. The bottom line is, unlike the other presidents that were reluctant to abide by the fourth unelected branch, like they told us. And you hear them say, "The Schiff said it himself, the intelligence community recommends to the legislators how they should proceed. Why? Who are they? We didn't elect them. Why are they giving you recommendations? The only recommendation someone in the House or Senate should be getting is from me and you. Not some person sitting in an intelligence agency that tells you what's good for them in regards to control, operations, surveillance, and execution. That is not the way our city, uh, our, our, our country operates on any level, that be city, state, or just federal. We're supposed to be listening to the citizens, not to the analysts that we don't elect. And this is why we refer to it the fourth unelected branch of government. Because you don't know who's in there giving these orders. Did you... Did you elect McCabe? No, you didn't. Did you elect Jim Baker? I'm just saving names. What about shock? Did you elect Lisa Page? Did you ele- there's so many names and I have to be careful not to slip one that hasn't been made public. So okay, you can't uh, you can't say that you elected any of these clowns within the intelligence community or anything. None actually you can say that you indirectly confirmed people like cia director i guess fbi director i guess but you really don't have control over that Uh, the executive office does and in turn the senate and the house and you know they're all sellouts so hey the bottom line is they tried to um, and this is, and so this part one of this show is demonstrating to you just how far they went domestically and what tools they utilized domestically to overthrow our president. The second half, I'll tell you stuff about Assange. I mean, I told you about it a month ago and look, lo and behold, it's happening. We're going to talk about North Korea. We're going to talk about the United Kingdom, Germany. We're going to talk about Italy. We're going to talk about France because all of this is coming together now. So the first hour right now, I've been demonstrating to you just how far they go domestically to remove this president, not because they don't like his hair, not because they don't like his attitude, but because he is not an obedient puppet to say, I will listen to the fourth branch of government. Could you imagine Comey's face when President Trump said, I don't agree with that. I don't think so. And do you know how P.O.'d Pence and the rest of them were when he'd be like, no, 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 I'm not buying it. We need to look at this. Calling him a baby because he doesn't know how things work, right? How they said he was throwing temper tantrums because he wasn't buying their BS, Mm, tell it to me like a, like an average Joe, man, this doesn't seem right. uh It seems a little bit fishy. Let's uh be, let's find something else. I don't like it. He would say that and they'd get upset because they know better. Pence, when you see him standing next to president Trump, he hates it. Why? Because he should be president because he has the experience because he's given his time to the deep state because he, 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 he's on a short lease right now. And I'm super hoping he's gone, even though I contradict my statement that says when you change your vice president between your two um, consecutive years, statistics show that you don't make it through your second term. And that's usually by being deceased so statistics show that that is when it's most vulnerable for them to do it when you insert a second person it's happened throughout all of our U.S. history regardless if each situation seemed to be different it still happened so this is a big deal for me contradicting that because I I don't want to see Pence anywhere in executive office I'm very upset that the president is forced to keep him I really wish and I know he wants to just fire him but he can't and that sucks it really sucks that we're allowing these people that for the first time in a very long time very long time because even JFK was kind of groomed right he was kind of groomed so since abraham lincoln it's the first time that we have a president that is impartial of you know being groomed within the political sphere of washington dc being swayed by the political sphere and clearly clearly ruling you know the nation and governing the nation and executing um you know orders and uh, giving directives to the nation on behalf of the people that he's not getting a directive from other people ear wigging but he's doing it because the people are telling him this is fact remember kennedy came from a long line of groomed politicians regardless he was like the black sheep right he was the black sheep but i'm saying sans that it's since Abraham Lincoln that we actually get a true American who believes in the values of this nation and wishes to give the power back to the people. This is fact. You can't change it. He's the only one that has delivered on his promises. And I think the list is over 280 things he said he'd do. And he did. After the break, we'll discuss on the foreign end, Outside, Oconus, as we say, outside of the contingent United States, how they are still orchestrating the overthrow of a duly elected president that actually seeks to serve the people. I'll see you all in a few. Filtered News. Real News. Welcome back everyone to the Tory Says show. I'm your host Tory. Remember I'm always here Monday through Friday 12 to 2 live Eastern Time on Red State Talk Radio. Uh you can always find things that I publish on my own on torysays.com and other things that I write across the nation in de- in in various uh uh different uh reporting agencies. Now before we move into the whole foreign orchestration and attack on our president, and obviously unmasking a little bit more of just how deeply embedded they are, uh, I mean, we've talked about four eyes, uh, nine eyes, the five eyes, uh, nine eyes, and fourteen eyes. Uh, I want us to get into uh, the APAC division and how uh, this demonstrates uh, the coordination that we've seen uh, so nicely. And imagine they've proved them so much. And they still found nothing just how, you know, legit President Trump is. But before we do that, I just want to play a clip to like summarize how I feel about John Dean uh, being in our house yesterday purporting the things he purported. I just want you to listen to what Matt gets said that it was as if he was speaking for me.
8: Here we sit today in this hearing with the ghost of Christmas past Reopening the impeachment inquiry potentially into Richard Nixon, sort of playing out our own version of that seventies show. And and what I really regret, it is, Mr. It is striking Zee, is that you're Mr. You're here as a prop. You it are is. functionally here as a prop because they can't impeach President Trump, because 70 percent of Democrats want something that 60 percent of Americans don't. So they're in this no-win situation, and you sit before us here with no knowledge of a single fact on the Mueller report. On a hearing entitled Lessons from the Mueller Report. We, we have a false accusation against the President of the United States that he was an agent of Russia. My colleagues on the Democratic side made that accusation. And now, here, we are continuing to engage in this frivolous exercise of going after the President, despite the fact that there was absolutely no collusion. You guys need to get your act together and figure out if you're going to open an impeachment inquiry or not, because this is a straight up fiction. I yield back.
1: And that is exactly how I feel. A hundred percent he wrapped it up. It was like lessons from the Mueller report, but why is he there? What is his job? Why are we focusing on him? Okay, so now shifting gears let's talk what's going on outside of the United States and what President Trump has done. So if you remember over a month ago, I talked about Assange. I told you what the plan would be and what the outcome would be in regards to Assange, correct? I said, uh, you know, when he's going to be uh, uh, coming to the United States and if, uh, how this is going to be played out, um, uh, what the dates are. Remember, I told you that on the day that the president was in the United Kingdom, we had an extradition hearing. We had the formal request being put in and then the hearing uh, that is happening tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. But for some reason, they keep telling the media that it's happening on the 14th. My sources say that hasn't moved. I don't know why WikiLeaks is saying it's being pushed back to the 14th. But the day our president arrived in the United Kingdom, um, I had told you this over a month ago that he was going to be there when they filed the formal request. And obviously, that is exactly what happened. Uh, The DOJ had put their formal request Request, you know, not their survey request that they did in May, but, you know, they had uh, given notice to the government that they're going to be putting a request. And then on the 6th, the request was made. So on the 12th, which is tomorrow, we're going to find out where that's going. Um, and we'll probably find that out on a Friday because a lot's coming forward. So and there's an extradition treaty, obviously, that we have with the United Kingdom, uh, that was agreed upon during, uh, the Bush 43 administration, and it was put into effect in 2000. And again, I'm circling back to my, um, to my, um, radio show, uh, that I have uploaded for you to listen. Will the real James Comey please stand up? That was the whole purpose of taking over the Bush administration after 9-11 was to establish the CIA's capabilities of infiltrate, of, of monitoring, collecting, analyzing, uh, all, communications of all U.S. citizens and also creating that sharing platform like I said whereas in 2005 Comey along with Brennan and along with other people on a private level this is why they left the government went into private sector and then came back established because they needed to create the networks and hence why in 2007 right before Barack Hussein Obama took office right We had uh, Bush sign this off. This was the extradition treaty, but also was partake from the five eyes, Nine eyes, and in turn, 14 eyes committees that were created. This is all kind of just the whole story unraveling, so you can understand. And we're trying to take it backwards. So, this extradition treaty is there. We know what it, it, it entails. It's very staunch, very formal. And, you know, people need to understand that the formal request for the extradition was done immediately uh, after April 11th arrest of Assange, right? We had them drop the indictment that they had already planted in 2018 about him. So they said, well, we already have this and we plan to do this. The hearing just happened. And now the formal hearing to decide if they are going to give us Assange or not is going to be done tomorrow. We will have those results on Friday. Even though news outlets are reporting that WikiLeaks says it's going to be on the fourth. 14th. On the 14th, we'll know the results just so you know. So now we know that there's superseding in- indictments that have gone uh, that have been dropped in May uh, just to reinforce just how important it is to the United Kingdom to provide us Assange, though. Like I said, they don't want us to have Assange. They have him in a position right now where he's ill. We have no idea what they are doing to him. You just have to look at all these people that have been put in jail or detained as political prisoners, as political prisoners. Remember um, what happens to them. Remember what happened to Manning? Walked in a girl walked out a, uh, walked in a boy walked out a girl Assange is sick he didn't even appear on camera and I know for a fact that while the president was there this was actually a topic of discussions from sources um, that I have there in addition uh, you know they are purporting that Assange could appeal uh, to a high British court to avoid uh, being extradited and perhaps even the European uh, Court of Human Rights like I told you which would tie him up for at least 10 years so this is huge um and we should keep our eyes out because assange is key to many many things and uh those many many things are going to be coming into light and if the united kingdom would like to play ball with the united states this must be met and we will see this happen and the tone of our relations will be set Tomorrow and upon its completion on Friday, we will know where they stand. Now, uh, in regards to what is going on at the border, we see that there is more increased um, concern about our border security, specifically that we had the first Ebola victim yesterday uh, being determined. This isn't just a problem for American citizens, but it is also a problem for Mexican citizens. Uh, one has to c- be very concerned as to how these Western Africans are coming to our shores, but I wrote an article about it, and I've already told you that they would be getting past. Passports from Cuba or Venezuela, which are false and travel down to Central America and or Mexico with the primary objective of crossing the border into the United States. In addition, we have seen a sudden rise in a uh, Muslim Brotherhood backed group in Texas uh, to provide aid to Muslims that are crossing the border and offer them assistance in being granted asylum. So we've got a lot going on in the border. It is a hot mess and you know the democrats are really on the spot uh right now as i'm on air there is a hearing right now in regards to the border crisis we have graham and other people um kind of discussing it with people testifying so that's a big deal uh we do see that um we're finding out that we have a lot of senators that are supposedly republican that are um not on the right train. Uh, They do not want President Trump to succeed because we have um, uh, Republicans that are... Pretty much sounding off that Ken uh, Cuccinelli, who was um, tapped on Monday to serve as the acting head of um, US citizens, U- USCIS bas- basically, uh, which is the Citizen and Immigration Services, will not be confirmed by the Senate. So the senators, the Republican senators, are going against who Trump picked, which was Ken Cuccinelli. You know, Cuccinelli, um, you know, has been, um, you know, working, um, in this domain for a while and he is uh working as the acting right head of it of USCIS and the problem that the uh, Senate Republicans are having right now is agreeing with the fact that they're going to confirm him. They're saying no. And they publicly stated that, which means this is a huge problem. This is where you see what Republicans need to go. These are the names we need to call out. These are the people we need to remove. These are the people working against our president covertly. Now, Cuccinelli, um, you know, is was was President Trump's pick. And, you know, he's gonna try to see if he could just get him confirmed, like boom. But we don't know. Apparently, during a confirmation hearing for a judicial nominee, uh, Cory Booker applied a religious test. Um, and, and you know, obviously that's unconstitutional. Um And Cruz didn't really let that go. He actually uh, hopped onto it and, you know, demonstrated that by, you know, asking like Rao, Hey, you know, or gay relationships and your opinion immoral, stuff like that. So it was, it was really, really weird. Cause Rao was like, I don't understand what you mean. And Booker was like, do you think gay relationships are immoral? She was like, no, do you believe they're sin? My personal views of any subjects are, 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 are things I would put to the side. So you're not willing to say whether, so he's asking her to testify her religion in the house. This is wrong right this is this is super wrong this is what we're having we're having people working against the president Working against the president, working against our own president, our own interests. And we have clowns that are in there that are trying to change the rules of the house. They're trying to make us, you know, look at feelings, look at religion and bring it to the forefront. Because bottom line is, has anyone asked Ilhan Omar how she feels of infidels, you know, or of Gowers or how she feels about Christians or how she really feels about Jews? Because she's made it pretty clear. But we don't ask her that in the House because she's not supposed to have those feelings in the House, right? That's the way, that's the premise that we work at. Now, like I said many, many times over, there are people in the Senate, in the House, and in all federal agencies that are clandestine agents of the CIA. They are placed to execute the job that they are assigned to which is to be the eyes, ears, and proponents to assume and maintain the position of the fourth unelected branch of government. Now, this does not only stay within the United States. We have agents, as you one would call them assets, all over the world. We have people within the United Kingdom's government. We have people within Germany, the EU Parliament, Greece, Italy, you name it, we've got them. Most of them come in the guise of Goldman Sachs financial advisors and or appointees to the government to assist in financial matters. This is usually how they come into or. They are relatives of those in power, uh, that, um, have a close proximity and relations with the target government. So like, for example, maybe they plant a wife on someone, or maybe they have your brother or your sister, uh, be their eyes and ears, uh, for information to, uh, maneuver information and also let them know when the person is moving out of Place When they're not going along the guidelines that they want them to go. And this is a really important notion to understand. If we have people all over our nation, think about it in every single facet of our federal and state governments that keep an eye on uh, those that are running those operations. So like if you have someone in the Treasury Department, they're looking after they're in a position to look out, you know, for the council, you know, the secretary, the Treasury secretary, the deputy you know, that they can keep an eye. They could be a simple secretary, for example, or they could be, you know, an analyst or an IT person that installs, you know, software to monitor them. Their job is to make sure that they don't go out of line or their job is to make sure that if they're ever investigating anything that could lead back to this structure that they have of this fourth unelected branch of government or to defy them or to against, to go against their air quote recommendations that they report. Okay. And this happens globally. Now, if you remember in November, I was talking about North Korea. I was talking about Venezuela. I was talking about all these countries and how they're held captive. And just like I told you, uh, Iran too. Uh, Yesterday, I retweeted a very old article that I had written up about Peter Strzok and his dad. His dad was a CIA agent. He is the one that infiltrated Iran and um, took down the government in 1978 and put up the regime that we see now there. They are CIA controlled. Right. They are our assets. They operate the way we tell them and they do things the way we want them to. We saw an asset once defy the fourth branch of government. And I take you back to Chavez. Let's go back to when Venezuela and their leader that we call a dictator flipped on the Clintons, flipped on Obama. Because remember, he was placed as an asset. He was placed as an asset, groomed as an asset, and operated as an asset. But when he realized that the power that he had was limited and that he wanted to rebel and break free, uh, he died of cancer, of course, but he still had his words. He called them nefarious. He called them Satanist, You name it, he called them. You can look that up. Chavez at the end of his life and at the end of his regime, he was very defiant to the United States. And that kind of carried over, um, you know, with the current uh, dictator of Venezuela, though still a CIA asset. And so now we go to North Korea. Like I said, even if you just see Kim Jong-un, he looks so happy to be out of North Korea. He wants to be free, but he is controlled, not just by China, who has full control over him, but the double standard where they work for the Chinese and this fourth unelected branch of government, which, mind you, does not only have domestic reach, it's international. And if you haven't clocked onto that yet, you're missing the big point. This manifestation of this uh, covert uh, cloak and dagger underlying government is what Merkel, Macron and the rest of them call the global order. We had orchestrated the foundations of the networks and how it approaches. I mean, think about it. FBI face services within the United States supposedly has a database of all criminals and their pictures online. Right. That's what they do. So they have all these things online, they put them online and they search for criminals. Then tell me how they found the Belgium shooter from our database in the FBI, because it's not just local, right? And just so you know, the FBI database doesn't just have mugshots and stuff. They take all information from passports to uh, student IDs to uh, driver's licenses. So if you're 14 and you get a driver's license, your face is in an FBI database, period. Um, and will be matched to potential murderers, serial killers, robbers, or whatever, um, dependent on, you know, your similarities, just so you know. So just so you understand the CIA, this fourth unelected branch of government was an idea that was, uh, created in the United States in the forties and implemented, um, that, uh, obviously was the worst thing ever. Eisenhower saw it for what it was and during Eisenhower's uh, term, uh, he worked within the goalposts subtly and did what he could to mitigate what was to come, especially with... um, some unexpected treaties that were signed and some unexpected information that came to. And this is important, and I guess this is something that we will revisit in about a decade or so, I'm assuming. Uh, So we'll leave that at that. But the creation of the NRO was, in fact, to mitigate the circumstances of the CIA in regards to our nation in the chance of, in the future, having a leader that would allow us to break uh, that uh, global network and maintain our sovereignty and maintain our nation as it was intended to be uh, which is exactly what the battle we have here now is going on so Going to on the global scale, so you can understand. Obviously, w- we see from Iran, uh, the CIA had reached out there and installed the Khamenei, uh, you know, regime there, which is there today. They want to break free. Everyone is playing tug of war. No, we're going to do this nuclear deal. No, we're going to do this. We've got people from the Obama administration meeting with Iranian officials, you know, in London, in France, and in and in Berlin. And you're thinking, why are you meeting with these people when you're not in office? You. Don't have a job. Why are you... They're having all these meetings globally because the Iranians do want to break free. They're tired of this. Their successors don't want any part of this. It's 2019. We shouldn't be like this. These are the conversations that are being had behind closed doors. These are the conversations that were happening with North Korea that if you remember... Um, uh, you know, Madonna's ex-husband, you know, who had gone down there, the basketball player, you know, he was talking with Kim and he's like, he wants to talk. He wants to cooperate. He wants this because he's trapped. And the thing is, he's not just trapped by China. He's trapped by the United States and he didn't know it until recently. So... I I refer to conversations that I had back in January with you guys on the show where I was telling you about China and how, you know, artificial intelligence and how they're going to be implementing. You have to understand that in China, you know, obviously we have Hong Kong, but then we have Macau. And I've talked about Macau a few times. And I also mentioned how Trump being able to do business in Macau is a really big deal because Macau is like a party island, right? It's like Hong Kong, but like super elite. It's very expensive. It's all about casinos, hotels relaxation i mean the best spas i've been to on the planet are there the reason i say this say this is because in macau it is a melting pot it is like new york but for like the the elite of the world okay and those that are there to party or hide and one of the people that were hiding there were was kim jong-un's brother. And you would wonder why he's living there, why he's operating there. And that's because one of the biggest strongholds to maintain assets of the CIA is within Macau. Now, a lot of people may say what, but I'm going to tell you that, uh, Snowden had gone through Macau and he escaped because he realized that he made the deal with the devil, but he is one of their assets, just like Kim Jong-un's brother was. Now, if you remember, he was actually assassinated and a lot of people tried to utilize that assassination against the president. But by then, the president had already had conversations with Kim Jong-un and Kim Jong-un was able to understand clearly the situation because Kim Jong-un was under the impression that the Chinese, of course, he knew it. I mean, that the Chinese had him boxed in. But he was always curious about his brother, but nevertheless, um, did not have bona fide evidence that he was working to maintain, uh, uh, you know, these open channels of communications with the CIA. So when he was assassinated, uh, everyone and every single media outlet attempted to point this to the Trump administration and they failed because Kim Jong Un would have never, ever believed that. Only because the information was already granted to him uh, by uh, the president of the United States prior to that. So, uh, you know, when he went to Malaysia, which is actually Clinton territory, just so you know, and Obama territory, um, he was there meeting uh, with uh, CIA agents and was assassinated. He was actually an informant. Right, uh, for the CIA reporting back as to if Kim Jong Un is still, you know, intact, and the communications and the power uh, that China has over uh, North Korea, and you have to understand that. Um, Kim Jong-nam, who is Kim Jong-un's brother, uh, not only was working with the CIA, but also was buffering the relations between China and North Korea, supposedly on behalf of his brother. Um, But in essence, he was taking from both ends. So this is this is something, you know, people need to be aware of. The CIA is one of the most corrupt agencies we have or, or corruptible. I mean, no. We just don't need it. We have other intelligence agencies. So we don't need it. We don't need people running rogue like that. We need honest people uh, that can uh, utilize information that they collect or compile uh, for the greater good, uh, not to be weaponized. In this sense, we have Kim Jong un's brother that was weaponized against his own brother, but also against China. Because he was providing information from the Chinese to the Americans, from the Chinese to Kim Jong-un, and then the information that's being swapped between North Korea and China, he would relay back to the United States. It's all about control, and that is the bottom line. So. Uh, Apparently in February 2017, when he uh, went to Malaysia, he was actually assassinated. And uh, the journal, uh, the Washington Journal, was it, was uh, the Washington Times were told that he was meeting there to, um, you know, re-up or discuss his uh, CIA contract that he had with him. So I want you guys to understand just how widespread their influence is and uh after this break we'll get a little bit more into it on what we foresee coming based out of these revelations that are coming hard and fast in regards to the central intelligence agency
4: hello my fellow patriots my name is michael flynn jr and i am the proud son of general flynn your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.MikeFlynnDefenseFund.org. Thank you and God bless America.
5: How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switch to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it. But we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855 700
0: It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now 1 800 707 1219. 1 800 707 1219.
6: Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays and does not go flat.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. So here's where we're going to get a little bit into uh, what to expect and what is going on. So yesterday I mentioned that, and ironically, I was drawing your attention to airplanes and aircraft crashing on a national level. And I said, you know, the theme for the day is falling out of the sky and planes uh, crashing. It's really important. These are private jets, private helicopters. Uh, though one thing I wanted to say is uh, just after my show, uh, maybe like a fifteen minutes later we heard about this helicopter crash on the New York City building roof. Now, th- people are still investigating to see why it happened right They're going through the wreckage they're trying to just make sense of. What actually happened uh, during this, so they determined that uh the um, the pilot was the one that was killed uh, and uh, you know he's fifty eight he comes from Clinton Corners. How ironic the name and this uh building supposedly had no heliport or helipad, I would say, uh, and he had just left uh you know he just lifted off and was flying and apparently w- crashed. Now I wanted to tell you guys in that building what's housed. Okay. I wanted to advise you guys of what is housed there. Uh, in there is a law firm called Wilkie Farr. I've mentioned Wilkie Farr before. Uh, You know, that is um, a law firm that represents a lot of these crooked people. Now, I'm not saying that it was set up. Okay? I'm just pointing out the facts. I'm pointing out the facts that this, uh, you know, helicopter happened to go to that specific building. And Those of you that have the time, just take a look and see what businesses were there. One of them is uh, the law firm Wilkie Farr. Um, Now, mccormick uh who was the deceased pilot god rest his soul uh was 58 he was uh you know uh, certified to be a pilot he wasn't like a you know a new pilot he's been certified since 2004 to fly like single engine planes and and helicopters so he is also a flight instructor so he's not like your average dude now uh apparently he was flying in a restricted area uh there is a flight restriction That has been put in place uh, for um, aircraft to fly below 3000 feet uh, within one mile of President Trump's uh, Trump Tower, uh, which is and the crash happened just a couple blocks from there. Now, I know, uh, the statement that I'm making may infer that it was removed because it wasn't acknowledged, but, uh, you know, this, there's no video recording. We don't have any audio recording yet. Uh, we do know that the helicopter was flying in a restricted area. We do know that the plane happened to crash at the top of a building that houses a lot of these, uh, you Um, political uh, persons that, you know, run the show, I guess, and law firms. And we do know that, uh, you know, below... Below the allowed amount, you know, he was below three thousand feet, and um, he was in a restricted area. So this is important. Um, and now, you know, people are pushing in New York uh, to ban non non essential helicopter flights within New York airspace, which is really going to po a lot of executives that like to use the helipads from their offices to fly about. Uh, that's going to cause them concern, uh, you know, because they like to feel excluded I don't know if any of you have landed in any helipads in New York, but it's pretty much badassery, right? Um, I've done it a few times uh, myself, you know, traveling with... um, certain people and it's it's pretty fun that you just take the chopper from wherever you are uh, you know in the surrounding states or city and hop on you know so it's pretty it's a lot of fun and it's a privilege and now they're looking to ban all flights uh, within airspace so it makes you wonder as to this helicopter why was it flying in a restricted zone why did it have this crash or what they Backtracked and said was an emergency crash landing, but it's not. So it's very confusing, and it's in what's um, even more um, questionable is the fact that the mainstream media isn't talking about it. So uh, you know, Governor Cuomo was saying that the helicopter made an emergency landing on the building um, because it's tightly controlled airspace, which makes no sense. Uh, you know, there was no. Um, Cuomo said that there was no indication that it was terrorism related. He also said it resulted in a fire. You know, um, he made the statement saying there's no evidence that it is anything other than an aircraft accident. But the only evidence that we do have is that this helicopter was flying in a restricted zone, period. And as someone that is flying choppers and is licensed to fly choppers in New York City should know that there's a no-go zone and that is one of them, restricted airspace. So, you know, it's important that we remember that. Now, this guy is... um Uh, Like we said, uh, he comes from Clinton Corners, New York, um, and he flew for a private company. uh, It's ACP, American Continental Properties, for, uh, you know, five years. Uh, The... The concern that I have personally is that, you know, he took off like maybe 10 minutes before, you know, on the East River, which was like a mile away, um, before he crashed. So it's not understandable. And even though the airports are saying that he's like, you know, airport personnel and other pilots and, you know, um, air traffic control people are saying that he's seasoned um, and a well regarded you know he's been flying in New York for a very long time so why would he find himself in restricted airspace did he have permission to be there flying under the radar something must have happened could it have been mechanical don't know could have been, it, it been weather related if he's been around there for five years and it's not a really big place you obviously can determine where and when where you can go I mean he had just taken flight 10 minutes ago on the other side, just a mile away. So, you know, this is concerning as to what really was going on or what was trying to happen here. Maybe it was a test on response. I don't know. But the bottom line is he's dead. They're going through wreckage. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And, um, I'm just concerned as to, you know, the fact that, he was in restricted airspace, and that is important. Um, believe it or not, the mainstream media is putting out there that Wilkie Farr and Gallagher Law Firm uh, was, uh, you know, one of the big companies because they have. I think, I think they're from the like thirty something floor to the forty. I, I think they have like the whole building, but they rent, I think, from like thirty fifth or upwards. Um, you know, offices for their law firm in New York. So it's it's a pretty it's a pretty big day. A pretty big company and it was a pretty big deal for them because remember they were also part of um, the 9-11 so it could have triggered a few memories on that. So that's pretty weird. I wanted to point that out because it's important that people understand that. They need to understand that he's been in the air for 10 minutes. He's seasoned. He's been traveling around Manhattan all the time and he enters restricted airspace. So, um, it's a, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, why would he go to that building? Why didn't he, you know, land on the Lehman Brothers building? Why didn't he go to the heliport that was right over? I mean, why did he go to that building that was way taller when he could have landed safer on the Lehman Brothers building, which is a little bit flatter and has the ability? I'm just saying there, there were so many ifs, 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 and he didn't do it. And he chose that specific building, which is weird. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. Now, what are we expecting this week? Now, as we can see, uh, the mainstream media is constantly recycling information, constantly um, uh, putting out talking points. For example, I noticed that uh, CNN, for some reason, was recycling or reinforcing with Don Lemon how the president was at the royal dinner. They were taking jabs at him. They were continuing uh, old narratives and repetitive, which means they aren't putting out anything new. And, uh, this is shocking too, right? Because why aren't they saying anything is, uh, more of a problem than they are saying something. Uh, they haven't found any talking points to attack, uh, based on what happened yesterday with John Dean. Cause it was a charade and it was embarrassing and <laughs> really, there's nothing to talk about on that end. So one would have to think, why aren't they talking about something? Why are they not um, reinforcing about John Dean? Why are they not talking about the helicopter crash? You know, why are they not talking about how the House Democrats want to uh, allow illegal immigrants to vote? I mean, uh, that is preposterous. That is against the law, first of all. According to our laws and regulations as an immigrant, as a legal migrant, right, with a resident alien visa, right, resident alien visa, it clearly states that if you cast a vote in any of our elections, you are automatically deported. You lose the right to that status. How are they going above our laws and telling people that don't even qualify for resident alien status that they can vote? It makes no sense. Whereas resident aliens, they pay taxes. You know, my husband complains about it all the time. You know, he's like, I've been here 10 years. You know, he just renewed his resident alien, um, you know, uh, visa. And he's like, I don't understand why, I, you know, I, they take tax money from me. I file taxes. You know, I do things within this country. I, I'm contributing, but I'm not allowed to vote. And I said, listen, that's the way it is. If you want to vote, you got to become an American. So you got to get rid of your British, uh, you know, nationality. You got to pick. And, you know, obviously he wants to remain British or whatever, but you know, he, he, that's a legitimate, you know, statement, right? I, I give him merit. I'm like, yeah, okay, you're right. Um, but you can't, he's like, well, in England, you know, if, when you're paying taxes, you're allowed to vote. And I was like, I shouldn't be, I mean, that's just wrong. Uh, because I'm not a citizen and, um, you know, I never did vote and, uh, People shouldn't be voting and that's actually their law. But for some reason, common knowledge says that if you live there and pay taxes or whatever that you're allowed to. So it's really important for people to understand how huge of a deal what the Democrats said is because there are, millions of people just like my husband that have lived in this country for over a decade that contribute to the to to the community they contribute to taxes they pay for the roads they pay for the schools they pay for everything and they're not allowed to vote but they are allowing people that just walk over the border and demand that you feed clothe house educate and maintain their health that you give them the right to vote that's preposterous So why isn't the mainstream media talking about this either? These are the things that we need to look at. Why aren't they talking about the fact that Ilhan Omar has been found guilty of, um, you know, uh, falsifying uh her irs returns uh with you know her marriage uh but currently also there is a case pending um with harry clayman that he filed uh to investigate ilhan omar's eligibility um, of citizenship which is awesome i love him thank you for doing that uh they're not talking about you know, what James O'Keefe exposed, you know, these are things we should be talking about. How Pinterest has decided that any pro-life site is supposed to be put in a bucket with porn and how it's, you know, something that uh, they should not be seeing anything of, you know, these are the things that we need to be talking about, you know, or how this North Korea discussion, uh, like I told you about his brother, you know, being assassinated and how they tried to pin it on Trump and Kim didn't buy it because the, thing about President Trump is, is that he's 20 million steps ahead. He's at least seven months ahead. Let me not say 17, because what we're seeing now come to fruition is something that was put in place 17 months ago. That's the way it works. And today, I, I think it was yesterday or today that he probably re- he received a letter from Kim Jong-un, um, you know, where they're talking about their cooperation and what's to happen and uh, but pretty much trying to organize a new meeting, uh, which is great. Uh, we have... Um, you know, a lot of issues in our nations in regards to censorship. We have issues in regards to free speech. I mean, I for my, uh, myself have been, um, putting together a story, uh, to determine how, uh, publicly funded places are honoring our first amendment. And that would include universities. It would include parks. It would include, um, uh, you know, fairgrounds, uh, you know, publicly funded tennis courts, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you know, how are people actually, uh, being, uh, allowed to exercise their right to free speech. And, and the reason I um, started looking into it is because of what was going on in Texas just a couple months ago, where um, advocates for pro-life were trying to put together a bill and they were getting signatures. And so they had like this uh, cookout fair in Texas and they were standing right by the door, uh, you know, where people were getting tickets and um, they were arrested and taken away. And they were like, why? This is public grounds. And they were like, no, you can't be here because we said so. And uh, just the other day, the governor of Texas signed into law to have um, properly placed designated areas of free speech obviously they don't want someone there that's gonna go naked and paint themselves it has to be decent to the environment you know to like the environment you don't want someone with their boobies out or playing naked or branding themselves in the middle of the street uh, to be you know in like a carnival or you know where they're having like a kids book fair right Uh, it needs to be appropriate it needs to be nice you need to have like a neat booth and if you're someone that wants to petition and get signatures for some citizen initiative you should be able to do So, I mean, that's your right, right? This is the United States of America, especially when it's grounds that you pay for out of your tax money. They have no right to tell you no. So he signed it into law and I've been looking into it. And the more I look into it, the more I see that the governments actually control what you are allowed to talk about and when you are allowed to talk about it. Because I've actually been in correspondence with different entities within my state that, you know, asking about where their free speech is and they're just like, oh, that changes every now and then. I was like, no, it shouldn't. It should be designated... As a description, so if, you know, you're having, um, you know, a park event where there's like movies in the park and there's an entry, you should allow a space by the entrance that's not intrusive, but enough to allow the citizens to have the traffic they want rather than, you know, uh, go in. For some reason, the cities and the states find it that it's their job to be concerned about the patrons uh, more so than it is for anything else. So they're thinking profit because usually uh, relationships like that where they hold parties or fasts or fairs or whatever on publicly funded grounds are profits for the area there. So they look at it as business and they really don't care, um, you know, what, citizens feel like or how and what access they have. So these are big issues that we're having, uh, the such tremendous issues as citizens, uh, coupled with the fact that they're trying to remove the only president that is addressing these should scare us all the statements they make the attempts they're doing. I mean, it is really scary if you think about it, that in the House right now, you've got the heads of all these darn committees with secret agreements between them. Conspiring to figure out how they can get the president. And it wouldn't be far fetched to say that I would, that I would assume that violence is also on their list of how to get him. I do not want to put that off the table. I think that would be their easiest way out. And they are trying to find ways to do it, but they know that if it happens, they're done for because you cannot control the masses the way you think you can. Because you didn't pass the gun control. So it's not going to happen. Speaking of gun control, I just wanted to say in New York City, I saw that there was an article that has come up stating that, uh, you know, they're they're having problems like they do in London um, in uh, regards to attacks, uh, violent attacks, specifically attacks with knives, so the reason I'm bringing this up is when England was bringing this, uh, this topic up for discussion, I was mocking them by saying, all right, now we're going to have a ministry of cutlery, um, and we're not be- going to be allowed, uh, to have, uh, knives to cut our steak you know, if you live in London. But here's the thing, um, that London themselves, uh, looked into more murders than New York in the past two months and it came you know through uh, great violence most of them uh, occurred in February and um, 15 murders in London were in February 14 with them of them were in New York Now, the 22 murders investigated in London and 21 uh, in New York in March. So it's kind of like in tangent on the ratio, uh, on the amount of murders they have on a monthly basis. So what they're saying is, is that the problem that they're having is not so much guns in London because they don't have guns, but more so knives. And the same is coming out to be seen in New York. And you know what, what drove me insane right then and there? I know it sounds super weird, but uh, in New York, I could totally see New York City like Manhattan being an area of all the food in the supermarket has to be pre-cut. No um, private citizens can own knives. Some, uh, you know, um, restaurants may have them if they're registered. Like that's not far-fetched because there's a surge in knife crimes and now they're trying to create those similes with New York. Uh, this is a really big deal because they're trying to uh, to further disarm people by way of statistics. I mean if you're taking away guns and people can't source them legally and obviously in England they haven't been able to for a very very long time right? They're going to find alternate ways to commit murder. Murder's murder. If someone wants to kill someone they're going to do it with their bare hands. You could take away their knives. They'll Still kill someone. So, but what England is trying to do, and specifically Sadiq Khan, the most disgusting, horrible ever mayor of London ever. London looks nothing like it used to. Nothing. It is horrible. So, he's trying to further disarm citizens by further reinforcing and restricting knife purchases, people registering knives, kind of like a television license. You're going to have to have a knife license. Like, this is not good. The disarmament of citizens is a really big deal. And the only reason we have the second amendment, because it was foreseen that we should be able to bear arms against those that are in power. Now, if they take away our guns and they take away our knives, how do we fight them with sticks and stones while they have missiles, guns, grenades, and bombs? This is crazy, right? Right. So one has to question themselves why the trends uh, are occurring as such in our nation and in our news cycle, because the news cycles that you see today, just today, if you look at what they're pushing out, the mainstream media, the failed, lying, fake news, mainstream media, you'll see that it's all repetition, It's all talking about uh, technology. It's all talking about how important certain states are for elections. It's all talking about freedom for women, breastfeeding. It's all rubbish. It is all complete rubbish. And, you know, uh, you know, them making statements, guys, the most ridiculous one is that saying that, um, you know, Biden is even a candidate. I mean, all they're doing is bashing the president. There's nothing else that they do except for bash the president. Uh, you know, they're talking about, uh, Alex Jones. So now, you know, um, InfoWars is, uh, offering to pay the creator of Pepe the frog, like 15 grand. Uh, these are the topics, how d- horrible Trump is in all facets. So they'll have children say it, gay people say it, revisit, uh, other meetings, other statements, just, he's horrible, horrible, horrible. Listen to what Pelosi said today. Just listen.
6: You've said in the past, you're not that path to impeachment. Are you still? How do you reconcile those? Well, it's statements? not off the table. You, you can't. I don't think you should impeach for political reasons, and I don't think you should not impeach for political reasons. It's not about politics. It's not about Democrats and Republicans. It's not about po- partisanship. It's about patriotism to our country. It's upholding the Constitution of the United States. If, in fact, the executive branch can say you can never have oversight over us, you have destroyed the system of checks and balances, which is the wisdom and the heart of our Constitution. And if you go down that path and you look to the Bill of Rights and the assaults that they make on the press, etc., uh, then you are undermining the Constitution, not honoring your oath of office to support and defend.
1: My God, is she serious? These are the types of things that are being played on CNN. How Trump insults everyone. He's insulting me. How, you know, Russia this, Russia that. This is all they're doing. Think about it. They have nothing more to do. They have nothing more to say because they're not getting leaks. But here's a tidbit before I go for the day. They will get a very structured and targeted, air quote, leak. And this, this will be their downfall. And we can see, you know how they say, take the bait? They will take the bait. And this will be glorious. So now, as they sit in the dark, not understanding how to go forward, the only thing they could do is allegations. The fact that Pelosi said that he said, you have no right to probe is just ridiculous because all they've done is probe illegally prior to, hand during his administration. So uh, on that note, uh, we'll all talk tomorrow. Hopefully exciting news will be coming up uh, later today. Um, but I believe that it would be more on um, the Wednesday that we'll see it. So um, on Thursday, and I said Wednesday to see it. On that note, from all of us here at Red State, I want to wish you a great evening, I'll see you all here tomorrow, 12 to 2 Eastern Standard Time, only on Red State Talk Radio. From all of us, God bless.